0: Welcome to podcasts for leaderful schools, coming to you almost live from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. Actually, from the Galileo Institute at Paulie Hall uh, in the School of Education and Human Services. And this is Bob Maxfield, and my wonderful co-host, Dr. Sue Klein, is with me. Uh, and we're uh, we're approaching uh, the winter break. Uh, Thanksgiving is behind us, and uh, uh, it's a time when everybody is rushing a little faster than they normally would. But we're glad we could take the time to do this today. Our guest is. Dr. Danya Bazi, who is the superintendent of the Ferndale, Michigan schools, and she was also recently named as the Michigan Association of School Administrators uh, Superintendent of the Year, uh, and that is a rare honor that uh, um, I much congratulate you for. So, Danya Bravo on um, your selection of that. And, and oh. in the next twenty or so minutes, I think we'll we'll have a chance to uh, understand a bit why that selection occurred. So, as we as we officially welcome you. Let's uh, take a minute just to have our listeners learn a little bit more about who you are and what your background is and how you uh, got to this particular gig that you have right now.
1: Thank you. First, thank you for having me. And you know my road, my my road to the education path was one that I always knew would be there, but it happened in a way that kind of was um, you know surprised. I, I grew up in Wayne, Michigan, attended Wayne Memorial High School. And when I went off to college, the one thing I knew was that I loved uh, mathematics. I enjoyed doing math. I enjoyed the, you know, the lack of subjectivity, rather objectivity you had when you get. So I majored in mathematics. And uh, when I graduated, my parents said, so what are you going to do with a math degree? And I, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I didn't think that that far ahead. And so... <laughs> I went and worked as a consultant at Ford Motor Company and I did project management. And I did that for a total of five years, but within three years, I, I realized that although it's, it's, it was a great profession and all my respect uh, to people in the auto industry, I, I just couldn't see myself crunching numbers in a queue for the next 30 years. And so I was hoping to take my love of math and, and help students discover that same love. So I I went into teaching and I was a teacher at John Glenn High School in Westland, Michigan. From there, you know, I pursued my PhD and just started getting into teacher leadership opportunities because I knew that I wanted to continue um, to have greater impact as I went on. I also knew how important it was to be a good practitioner and and a strong teacher um, as that would certainly help leadership I was very fortunate to work with exceptional educators at Jackson County ISD as a school improvement consultant, um, as a director of teaching and learning at Hamilton Community Schools. Uh, Prior to to working in Ferndale, I was the superintendent of Galesburg-Augusta Community Schools, which is in Southwest Michigan. My first superintendency, it was a great community and it really gave me a lot of the the life lessons. Uh, My husband and I's family are both on the east side of the state, we had both moved for work opportunities, kind of following each other as we as we pursued our dreams. And we just decided at one point, after having uh, two boys, two sons, we, we decided that it was time to come back home. And I tell you, finding the job in Ferndale was, I equate it to kind of like hitting the lottery, you know, finding a community that um, has the same goals, has same values, um, and is really, um, dedicated to always doing what's best for students. I landed in Ferndale and, and really not not thinking that I was, you know, that I had the best chance coming from a small rural community. Uh, and I remember, you know, four years ago getting the job and really ever since then has been a great experience.
0: Well, let's turn now then to to your experience in Ferndale and your, your wonderful service there and that the service that achieve this wonderful recognition. Uh, one of the things mentioned in the nominating materials that went to MASA uh, was the fact that your district earned the Equity Innovator Award for 2019. And one of the things I've always admired about uh, Ferndale, going way back long before your time, was its commitment to equity, its commitment to diversity, and its ability to have a to successfully uh, provide support for a very wide range of folks, both economically and racially. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, how does that play out in the Ferndale schools? And why do you suppose you got that recognition?
1: You know, I think we've been committed to, to really transformative change within the district, uh, providing an equitable experience for all students. And, and when we say all, we, we mean all. Every, every student within the district So we partnered up with Great Lakes Equity, which is out of Indiana University. Um, They're they're funded through the federal government and they work with schools uh, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That partnership has really been, um, I I really, it's it's been so impactful to the Ferndale Public Schools in terms of our policy, as it relates to students, do our policies match our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so we've really taken a look at everything, whether it's board policy, whether it's uh, student codes of conduct, dress codes, and really taking a look at, are these equitable policies that that, um, that ensure all students have the ability to pursue their, you know, their life's passion? So, The other thing it did is it catapulted us into creating an equity-based strategic plan. So in order for us to achieve the goals of our strategic plan, there has to be equity that runs through the veins of each of those pillars of our strategic plan. So the partnership with with Great Lakes, again, it led to policy change. It led to an equity-based strategic plan. It led to the creation of our district diversity committee and equity task force. And then most importantly, it led to curricular changes to ensure that our curriculum is aligned um, and represented by our student body.
0: So really that that whole commitment to a a systemic approach to equity is clearly demonstrated. what proof do you have that it works? What are some of the the metrics that you're holding up right now and say, doggone it, this has been successful?
1: So ultimately, right, things come down to growth and achievement of our students, right? Are students' college and career ready uh, when they leave leave our walls? One way that we've really measured this is to look at um, student participation in AP and honors classes at our schools. When we, when we first started to take a look at that, we saw that our, our students who identified as black were um, not represented in those courses. And so we made systemic efforts to ensure that students had the opportunity and had the support needed to be successful in those courses. In a matter of a year, we increased um, student participation NAP classes by 14%, of which 95% were successful in those AP courses. So again, it comes down to making sure that people have access and that we're removing any barriers uh, that that prevent students from taking uh, advantage of the opportunities that we have within our school.
0: And as I reviewed the materials that that were submitted on your behalf for the MASA award, uh, there were a number of other sources of, uh, of success and pride. So, what else would you hold up besides the genuine and comprehensive commitment to equity?
1: I think one thing that's unique about Ferndale is our commitment to our social emotional curriculum, our SEL curriculum, which we really recognized at the state and federal uh, level. Basically, we have prioritized this and made sure to integrate it into our school day, integrate time to work on the competencies. And, and they're called the five core competencies, uh, which are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and reasonable decision-making. And so a lot of times people will call these soft skills, right? These are soft skills. No, no, these are essential skills. They're real. They're real, right? because let me ask you, has anyone ever asked you uh, what's, the, what's the distance formula in a job interview? Or asked you to compute the distance formula? No. Have they asked us to make decisions when there's, there's high stakes pressure? Have They asked us to collaborate as a team. Have they asked us to manage our emotions? as, as whether, whether we be our students or adults, right? The content is important, don't get me wrong. Content is important as it relates to being college and career ready, right? If you're an electrician, you need to know basic algebra one. That is, that's a, but this is not either or. To be a student who is ready to make impactful, an impact on the world we have to have both of those skill sets. They are both essential. And and a lot of times people say, no, it's either this or this, right? High school teachers say, I teach content. I teach calculus. I don't teach self-management, right? Well, it's important that we incorporate that into our school day. And I think our commitment to that pre-K-12, that time is allotted in the school day to make sure that that's a focus.
2: It sounds like, it, it, sounds ahead, like it, it sounds like Ferndale schools have really been thoughtful in their reimagining and reinventing prior to the pandemic arriving. as you just have been describing the uh, social and emotional skills work, the, the real skills, real life skills, impact that has, and the fact that you have a focus on all and truly mean all students is commendable. And yet, as I say that, I know that the conditions of the last 18 months or so have also tested um, not only what the school district had in its plan, but certainly challenged families, challenged teachers, challenged your students, particularly as as the time rolled by and then they returned to school. Talk to us a little bit about um, now that Ferndale Schools is back to in-person learning, what are some of the things that you might have put in your department of lessons really learned uh, that you thought you knew about before or also some things that might have appeared that weren't on your radar screen?
1: You know I think what it what it brought to light is kind of a digital divide right access to technology and, and internet those have certainly been, we've, we've seen that gap. Ferndale is very fortunate. Um, our tech director applied for a grant that we were just awarded about a month ago that will actually provide a Chromebook to every student within the district to keep at home. So Excellent. Now, yeah, our goal was to get to one-to-one and not mm-hmm. going to be two-to-one because we'll be able to send students home with that technology um, at home, one thing that also I think came to light during the pandemic that we really didn't see is really the reliance that some of our families have on their students to work, right, to help out the family and to to pitch in because uh, you know there's help needed to make ends meet. Uh, I think that the the pandemic brought this to light more. And when we were in a virtual environment, some students were working, and and that's why not attending. Um, you know, attending schools. I think one thing that that brought to light is the importance of our social, emotional health and and needs, right? We hear now mental health coming to the forefront. Uh, I also think that it proved to us how important it is to be in-person with our students. Nothing can replace the in-person connection between teachers and students. I don't, you know, Canvas is wonderful. Schoology is wonderful. They are wonderful schools that meet the needs of some of our learners, right? Some of our learners have to be out of school for various reasons. Um, and, and we are committed to creating a systems of schools rather than one school system, we, we are. But there is nothing more powerful than the connection between a teacher and a student. And really we, we saw that during the pandemic, how much everyone missed just being together. there's you can't replace that. Uh, I think what it's done is it does allow us to have a little bit more flexibility. So parent parent meetings that were typically done in the evening and it was hard for families to come back in the evening now can be done virtual. you know those are the types of things now we can capitalize on and really take the best things that came out of the, the pandemic that will make us more efficient but also understanding that that human connection piece is, 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 is key. And, and one, all, one the, the most important thing I, I think it showed us is that the most noblest profession is that of educators. The government, everyone puts so much responsibility on public education, right? We are, we are to be the nurse, we are to be the, the confidant, we are to be the educator, We are to be the social worker. We have to support our students in all all ways, which I wouldn't have it any other way. Like we take on that responsibility with great pride, uh, but it just shows how important public education is uh, to support our youth as they head into adulthood.
2: it's clear that Ferndale schools and your leadership in particular sees very clearly the impact of education on every child in the district and the notion of how we reimagine, how we reinvent, how we pave the road to the extent we can so that all children are going to be successful, knowing that might mean different things for different students is the kind of school that I think parents and district kind of uh, place that parents want their children to be. You also talked about the role of teachers, and I know Ferndale has had a very strong culture of teacher leadership and the impact that that has. Talk with our listeners a little bit about how you see that role of teacher leaders in the Ferndale schools.
1: So I think it's so important uh, for our teachers to take on that leadership. They they are the experts in the classroom in terms of teaching and learning. The notion that used to exist a long time ago where or principals or administrators, we building leaders, managers, that concept is, is now outdated, right? And we really need instructional leaders leading our buildings. Building management is really important, but it's not the focus of what we ask of administrators in today's times. We're asking people to be teacher leaders, uh, to be teaching and learning experts as superintendents, as principals, and, and various other administrative roles. Also, I think that uh, many times staff, teachers have those aspirations, but don't really don't have the experience to know what's, what path should I take to get there. I know that if it weren't for great mentors, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I wouldn't have had these experiences, these opportunities if people didn't believe in me Give me the advice, the professional development, and the opportunities uh, to do those things. I also think that sometimes, again, this works sometimes, not all the time, but I have found that when I take a teacher leader of a building and make them a leader in the district, you know, there's the complexity that people will say, Well, they have relationships with staff, so it's going to be hard to be their boss. If they're if they're an authentic teacher leader people will follow them because they have trust and belief in that person. They know who they are and they know that they have the expertise to lead them. So again, in in my career, taking teacher leaders into administrative positions have have been my most successful hires. And so I want to make sure that people have the opportunity to go after their dreams, because again, their impact will be um, far reaching if we give them those opportunities. So, I want people to be able to achieve the things that they set out to do, and I want to be able to support them. So when I look at my resume, my resume to me is how many people have moved on to things that they have passion for. So if the people are not successful under my leadership, uh, then I, I, I would question my leadership.
2: You you raise an an interesting perspective, the whole notion of learning and leading and leading and learning being very reciprocal during our careers as educators and the notion that there are times when we might be leading and supporting the next folks that are coming along. Other times we're being led by different folks in the organization and some of them may be teachers. That's right, and you're the superintendent, and you're, you're one of the learners, uh, while that other person is leading, and and using that as a bridge to the the next question that we have for you. There have been a lot of teachers and formal school leaders, teacher leaders as well, who have chosen to retire. Um, it's that time in their life cycle, and or in some cases, it was the pandemic and complications that might have arisen from that. Knowing that, how do you go about? recruiting, hiring, retaining, developing that next generation of leaders in Ferndale. What are you doing so that that next generation is ready to step in with that high standards, high energy, high engagement, focus on all kids because your your district is charting a wonderful path that you don't want to lose momentum in.
1: One of the main things that we've done um, recently is we, we started a partnership with Wayne State University called the the urban educator path, and it's where our students can be dual enrolled to take um, education courses at the collegiate level that would then go f- towards a, a teaching a teaching degree at Wayne State. We really are trying to grow our own teachers from within within our student body, so that graduated from Ferndale, then go t- you know take a, a path uh, a teacher education path and then are able to come back. And by facilitating that, the courses are held on site, uh, you know, at our high school where students can then participate in those courses. You know, that for us is one important piece. Another important thing is our HR recently revamped in in line with our strategic plan, revamped our our hiring process. That Ferndale's vision and mission are clearly articulated. Through the through the um, interview process, so they know that we are a district committing, committed committed uh, to social equity and social justice. They know that we're a district that that um, is proud of our diversity and celebrate that. So that people know, hey, this is this is you know, there's a mission behind the school district. This is where we want to work. And for some people, it really lets them know maybe this isn't for us. You know because we want people who are gonna be committed to us for the long term, because we know that teacher um, tenure as well as administrator tenure has an impact on student achievement. So our HR approach is really to to continue to build partnerships um, that let people know what Ferndale is about and highlighting the great work that we do and, and telling our story. Again, from a humble approach, but if we don't share what we're doing, how will anyone know? So I really urge districts to tell your story and celebrate your success to create that school family atmosphere and let people know what you're about.
0: And well, there's another that- thing you talked about a couple of minutes ago that I think also adds to your ability to attract and retain teachers at this time. And that is the opportunity to grow. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, really clearly what you described, Anya, was was a career ladder approach. You know, you don't have to move into administration. As a teacher, you can assume more and more or different levels of responsibility and you've clearly structured a system in which that can happen so that that too will be helpful.
2: I'm curious what advice as you talk to those um, students that are your high school students who are dual enrolling, what advice do you have for them about why teaching is just an amazing career? And why being an educator is one of those very special opportunities for one's life. You know,
1: what I look at is I look at students who um, are going to college, obviously, with aspirations of, of achieving their goals. And I basically explain to students, or even, you know, people who I try to recruit to the teaching field, that this is where you get to facilitate, you get to be a medium to help students achieve their goals. And so every year you get to hear of successes of your former students, Mm -hmm. things that they're doing. I also think that um, life, uh, you know, as it relates to civil service, again, is an honorable uh, route to take. Having that impact has intrinsic value that, you know, that money really just can't buy. And it's, it's one of those things where, when I'm talking to a younger teacher, the first thing I tell them is don't, don't measure the teaching profession always by your first year, because I can remember my first year as a teacher and it was, there was definitely a learning curve.
2: Yes, me too. Really
1: normal, you know, and again, when I worked at Ford Motor Company for the first year, there were days I wanted to hide in my cubicle, because I'm thinking, I don't understand all the acronyms. I don't understand vehicle timing plans, but there will be growth, so never go into it thinking that it has to be perfection the first year. You know, there's going you have to be open to the learning, and at the end of the day, you know, who are educating students, you, and having a secondary teacher probably having an impact on 150 kids a day. Elementary teachers establishing really strong bonds with 25 to 30 students in a particular year. And then that sense of community that you just don't get in the corporate world. You don't get that sense of familial community. I will say also that, you know, a lot of people are motivated by, you know, financial gains. And and there is a path. If you're the best in your profession, the, the money will follow, but don't, don't let money be what drives the path. The Money will follow. So I always tell people, you do have to be a, a patient person, an empathetic person, a strong person to be an educator, but your impact will go on far before, far longer than you're even here on this earth. People will, will remember your name and say, I remember this teacher. I remember the collective they had in me. I still have teachers to this day that I, you know, that I'm able to keep in contact with, who I still can feel the warmth and the energy that they provided me as a young student. That never goes away.
0: You you got me at that, uh, but I think I'll sign up. Oh, I guess I already (laughs) have, that's right. (laughs) We'll take you. (laughs) (laughs) As we get near the end of our time together, uh, Suzanne and I have been working with Marion Janopoulos, the recently retired superintendent of Lake Orion, on a program aimed at new and newer superintendents. Uh, and, uh, and what we've discovered is that first there are a lot of them, but also that they're, they're facing unprecedented challenges. So uh, what advice would you give to those folks? Uh, besides what you've already talked about, and I think you've a lot of your emphasis on systemic alignment and was critical, your emphasis on remembering why we're here is critical, but what else would you say to somebody just starting out in the role that you've been in for four four years in Ferndale and beyond that in your previous
1: history? Yeah, I think one of the most important things that I've learned and and I've really taken with me um, since the onset of my career is that every decision you make has to be rooted and what's best for kids. Adult problems are adult problems and shouldn't impact kids. It's really that simple. So if you have pressure from, let's say, I love my board of education, but let's say you have pressure from the board of education or pressure from the community or pressure from your administrators or from your teachers. Ultimately, you have to be able to explain the why of your decision-making. And if you can root that in what's best for kids, no one will be able to question your decision. If you make it based on politics, on what's easiest, that's when they'll find flaws. I will say that as a superintendent, another piece of advice is it's important for all of us. Even this is my eighth year as superintendent um, and I still have a mentor. I still reach out to colleagues when I have a complex situation. Um, always seek to understand, um, it's really important. And then the last thing as superintendent, I think it's very important that the community knows you. I think it's important that the community knows that you care about their kids and, and show up for a basketball game or a school play or a marching band competition. Seeing students outside of the classroom, I think is, is vitally important for the superintendent role. Uh, my goal is to have as many students know who I am, and know that they have access um, to me for whatever it is that they might need. So to me, it's be visible, uh, be honest, and be accessible.
0: All good advice. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in the last half hour or so. Uh, What else, what are you hoping you had an opportunity to say today that we haven't probed with one of our questions?
1: I I think what, what I'll say is that um, I'm thankful to all of the people who have pursued education and supporting our students inside and outside of the classroom. I know it's been a really difficult um, couple of years. It's been essential. it's been explicitly hard. I think, you know, one other thing that you guys had mentioned, what did the pandemic bring out? And it's that school funding has to be addressed in Michigan, right? Equitable funding. And, and I think, that funding, we've seen what we've been able to do with our COVID relief funds. We've been able to get more literacy support at the elementary, more after school interventions to provide students uh, you know, additional learning outside of the school day, to have a more robust summer school for, for our, our community and, and opportunities. I think, you know, we have we've always done the best with what we have. I think the, the funding of schools have come out and, and people have really put in the time and effort and study to, to show the why behind this. But you know, as much as it's a tough year, hang in there. You know, our students and our community are counting on us to lead them through uh, keep keep pushing along and, and when you need support, ask for it.
0: It's never been more important. So again, as we want to congratulate you on being selected as the Michigan Superintendent of the Year. You're now a semifinalist for the national, or you're in the running at least for the national Superintendent of the Year, which will be awarded uh, this winter. Uh, so we wish you the best on that. But uh, but I think we in the last half hour, I think we, we've got a clear picture as to why that recognition came your way. And so, congratulations f- for that.
1: Thank you. Oh, collective effort of a, a community.
0: Of- <laughs> that's exactly right. It, it always is. Yeah. So to our listeners, thank you for being part of this installment of uh, Podcasts for Leadership Schools. We are again, almost live from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. And we want to again, thank Dr. Danya Bazzi for being our guest. And that's a wrap.